0: Welcome to the show where we shine a light on the biggest barriers and obstacles that get in the way of getting things done what I like to call monsters and myths and today we have a show with a bit of a difference because we're not going to be discussing multiple monsters and myths we're going to be discussing just one and for that we have a return guest in the form of dr. Leda Glyptus. Who will be joining us to talk about something that was prompted by a blog post article that she wrote? Lida, welcome to the show again.
1: So oh, good to be back. It was so much fun recording with you last time, and I'm very much looking forward to this.
0: And and for those people, just to give a bit of extra context, uh we tried this recording once and technical issues meant that, uh, we didn't manage to capture the recording. So this is actually a repeat retake, take two. The returns are always better, aren't they? Let's hope so. Anyway, diving in the thing that we're going to be talking about today is the context chasm and leader. This was sparked by an article that you wrote that had to do with a corner office, frosted window, and shoes. Please, can you explain just to give the context before we dive into the actual meat of the story?
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, not only will I give you the the context for the story, but I'll give you the context of the story. So a few months ago, I was speaking to a client of mine, um, and we were discussing the challenges and opportunities presented by remote work. And I was saying that I think we're missing a trick as managers because there is an opportunity now that everyone is remote to really reflect on people's preferred ways of working, preferred communications, we're all remote. So if you're a night owl, surely you should be able to indulge in it. Why not? Why don't we do more things asynchronously? Um, <clears throat> he did not want to have any of that. He was very anti everything I was saying. And he was saying it's very important for a manager to check in with their people. And I said, well, no, that's absolutely true. But do you do it on your terms? You do it on a call when it suits you. You don't observe them the same way. And you say, oh, no, 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 I ask them how they're doing. I thought, oh my God. But as I was actually thinking about it, I remembered back to my, my days of working um, in q and in Doha, big bank. I had an office. I was uh, extremely excited to have an office, let me tell you, because obviously growing up in a bank, you know that that you've arrived. If you have an office, you're important. So it was very exciting for me to have an office. But once I got in the office, I realized how much of the information I had about the force was contextual. How much um, information about other people's work, other people's mental well-being projects, I absorbed just by sitting in what we call the bullpen. And and that became a, a challenge. You know, you'd, you'd hear at the end of the day that somebody had stormed off crying or you, you'd you realize that a new inside joke had developed and you didn't have the context for it. <clears throat> but I also noticed that because I have this frosted front to my office, I was sitting with my back to the window because my view was crap. Um, back to the window, I was like overlooking the parking lot. There was nothing to see. Um, and my desk and and sort of was facing into the office and I had this, the front wall was glass with a big frosted patch in the middle and very few people were tall enough to see the tops of their heads. So the first thing that happened is that you you start recognizing people's shoes or shoe taste. The second is that you start seeing patterns in their gait. So you can tell someone's rushing, you can see someone's tie, like you get, you, you start having, without looking for it, just because it's in front of you, you start getting some contextual information from shoes of all things. There, that was the context of the context. So in
0: the biggest thing is that you got the context by being in the physical environment and COVID changed a lot of things. And I think that it's been changed Permanently now, you know we had remote working beforehand, um, and a few of us have been working nomadically on the road, client offices, other sub offices, that kind of thing for many years. So, so being able to work remotely, being able to telecommute, as we used to call it in the old days, um, isn't anything new. But COVID really shifted that work style for so many people of. not being in the same space as their co-workers. And the thing that really struck me with with your article, when you were describing about the context was if I was a manager in a physical, in, in corporate, sorry, not in a physical environment. If I was a manager in corporate today, I don't know how I would get that context anymore because it doesn't exist in this remote environment because your interactions are very structured. They're very time bound as well. In an office, you'll see somebody, water cooler, hang around by the lift. You'll see the slump of the shoulders. You'll see the dejected feeling. You'll see them withdrawing from conversations, whatever, and you'll know something's up and you'll know to be able to, depending on who the person is, go up, put your arm around them, or you know, call them in and go, Everything yeah. okay with you, or something like that? But in this environment, you've you've been working distributed teams recently. Have you what have you noticed, and and how have you seen it done badly first? In well, terms, yeah, of I think let's
1: start content? with that because what you painted is a very poignant picture. And as you were you were talking, I had a couple of thoughts one that I've had before and one that I haven't. So that's a good conversation already for me. So I think the first thing to say is that when we moved into COVID land, we didn't prepare ourselves for a marathon, right? None of us expected it to last as long as it did. So we, the first thing we did is we replicated everything we had been doing in the office uh, using Zoom or whatever. So we got ourselves the the faster horse, right? We we did not reinvent ways of working. We just transposed, and it was very much it's the carbon copy on on email, right? The CC. We just took a thing and replicated as closely as we could. And even though the the pandemic and and our isolation in our homes is over, you're absolutely right. We haven't gone back to the office in the same way, and yet we haven't reimagined that work. So we have allowed ourselves. Some of the advantages of remote work, some of the advantages of a wider pool of candidates to to pick from, but we've created a look do you remember the jetsons that cartoon where they were into the future, but the future looked a lot like the past, and that's exactly what we've done right we we have we're all at home, but we're almost entirely squandering the opportunity for asynchronous work um to work to your preferences to organize your day differently we're so heavily indexing on calls because we used to be co-located we used to be meetings now we do it in calls but but actually those are not like for like and we're losing a lot of valuable optionality so so i think that that is a problem because as managers we, we try to hold on to the levers we have but as you were talking and describing that water cooler moment the The fact that you realize that some people are storming out of meetings angry or people go to lunch together and there's someone who's never invited. And you notice these things as a manager and hopefully you do something about them. The reality is that the context we are trying to decode as managers doesn't exist anymore. It's not that we are not there by the water cooler. It's that the teams are not there by the water cooler. So the things that we're used to picking up on are the relationships and the camaraderie between the team members strong. The answer is no, unless they're part of a football team or they're friends outside of work, that the fabric that made the office life more like a small society, a small community with people falling in love and getting married to people they met at work and people becoming really good friends, that context doesn't exist. So there, there are, two degrees of separation it's not just that we don't see it they don't have it so the first question we need to answer for ourselves is is that a problem and I think managers and and behavioral psychologists almost uh, in their entirety would say not having human interaction is a problem but then how do you solve for it because we've seen so many entities over-indexing on even more Zoom calls, unstructured Zoom calls, Zoom calls without an agenda where actually all you want is to not be looking at a screen for five minutes. And then you have others who mandate a return to the office. I mean, um, you and I were having a conversation with someone yesterday about that and they have mandated a return to the office. They believe that to not come back to the office loses something that they can't afford to lose.
0: And, and, and that's where the struggle is at the moment, because we've got employee preference for those people who have discovered the joy of the benefits of what you're talking about, completely asynchronous working, because some people are working completely asynchronously and they might be happy working in that very asynchronous environment. Um, because there are certain personality types that absolutely love that and embrace that and they can get the human interaction maybe in other ways. So they're not missing out on it. But then you get the other ones who are, as you said, they're replicating the office environment, but just at home. So Mm. they still have a desk. They work structured hours, you know, eight till five or whatever the case is that i am be sitting here now at my desk and I'll get up for lunch and that's it. Um, and they may not want all the other benefits. However, everybody is blanketed with the same approach by the management, because I think that as managers, I would really struggle to to try and get the context of the people. I wouldn't know who's happy and who's not. I wouldn't know who is, um, who's having issues with somebody else. Um, you know, you can, if you're if you're around a table and you're having a team meeting and somebody raises a point and there's a visible you know jerk back or a lean forward or a you know a scowl or a grimace you'll catch that but when you've got a, a screen up with eight little postage stamps on it yeah. And all you're seeing is is a curated view of the person and you're not picking up on the non-verbal clues because you've only got eight postage stamps to look at and somebody like me that's wearing glasses, those eight postage stamps aren't that easy to get the subtle nuance.
1: There is a presentation on that become even smaller and you don't see facial expressions, right? No, you're absolutely right. I think um, there are no easy answers to this. I think the first thing to, to say is that we're now in each other's homes so without um wanting to get too sort of soppy about it we actually have a lot of context cues just different ones and if we're thoughtful and mindful we pick up a lot about the lives of the people maybe not how well they get on with their co-workers but the context of their lives so you you you'll realize how many of your team members have young families that you may have not known before because if you're working from home and you don't have the most ginormous house, you know, junior will come in and ask to play Lego. Like I had in a call the other day, the little kid, adorable, came in and said, he's dad, this is my time. And you're meant to be playing Lego with me. Can't argue with that. It was his time, it was past five. It was Friday, it was past five, it was his time. And there is a humanizing factor that if as managers we we can make it welcome like i've over over particularly the COVID years um people's kids or pets or partners would come in during a conversation because you're in their kitchen so of course they will um you need to make a point of talking to them of engaging with the kid and engaging particularly with a puppy uh but saying hello to the partner saying and and it's awkward, but you're in their home, right? So I think one of the things we need to appreciate is that the context in which our employees and team members and colleagues and clients operate is different. And we have a unique vantage point to see a different part of their lives, which is much more intimate than we've ever had before. Now, that is not always welcome, but it's a fact. I think the second thing is that if you create an opportunity that isn't intrusive, for unstructured conversations you will find things out but what it does to you as a manager is it takes up a lot more of your time you say you won't see that physical taken aback but if you talk to enough of your team members you'll find out who doesn't get on with him.
0: so one thing i'm going to pick up on one thing that you said there that i think is vital is that's not intrusive so um there was i had read a, a LinkedIn post by somebody who was going, oh, um, the way that we get uh, our team together is that once a month we all eat together and we're a distributed team and they span from America to Europe to Australia. So when we meet for the 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 meal, the ones in Australia are having dinner. The ones in Europe are having lunch and the ones in America are having breakfast. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, you know what, if you were my manager, I'd tell you right where to stuff that because I that's that's going to be really... I, I choose who I spend my free time with or my... It's
1: horrible. It's intrusive in ways I can't even begin to describe. First of all, we'd be winning in this one sitting in Europe, right? Because you mostly eat lunch while working anyway. So would be fine. But the reality is, I mean you have children okay they're not they're not babies anymore but can you imagine while you were getting your girls ready for the school run having to pretend like you're having breakfast with your team you're about to start your day you're distracted you have to get the kids ready for school meanwhile somebody sitting at the other side of the of the world with a glass of wine also you you're taking the most valuable moment away from like mornings rushed and crazy dinner that's family time like how very dare you i don't like face-to-face events that dig into my time i think that when we organize employee events we need to constantly be mindful and check whether they're happy to give us an evening because the evenings aren't ours my evenings are to spend with my friends and with my partner and with my family
0: and and i think this was one of those um situations where the manager is coming up with great ideas that suit them mm. and i don't think that they are taking their employees into account and something that you told me on the recording that didn't end up getting aired <laughs> um but i i loved the thing that you mentioned so i mentioned it to my daughter who um lives in thailand and runs her own digital agency um, and she is struggling a bit with uh, new starters and onboarding and and we'll get on to that in a second, because I think new hires are, are a big problem in a remote first environment. Um, and she is fully digital. She's got staff spread all over the world from South America to four different countries in Africa to Europe, to people spread across Asia and the Philippines as well. So, so she has a very, very geographically diverse staff. Yeah. And can you guess what it is that I had told her about? The personal operating manual.
1: Oh, Arthur Long, what a legend.
0: Please explain to everybody Tell 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 the story from your side because I got the name wrong and she immediately said, "Oh, that's like an SOP, a standard operating procedure, and this is a personal operating procedure." But you had a better description as the owner's manual. Please repeat that one.
1: Uh, this is genius, and 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 I had uh, I had nothing to do with this. Uh, um... And I think I should reference who it is because he's, he's brilliant. So uh, it's, it's Arthur Lung. He's the chief product officer of Shawbrook Bank. Um, we worked together at Foundry, amazing colleague, good friend. And when he first joined the team, he created the Arthur Lung manual. And he gave the Arthur Lung manual to me, who was lucky enough to be his manager at the time. But he also gave it to his team members. And he was, I mean, he's a product guy, right? So it was done with intelligence, with humor, with, it was beautiful, but also it was thoughtful because he had actually spent some time reflecting on his own preferences and patterns, everything from I'm a morning person to I like real-time feedback. You know, some people want, the separation I want, I prefer more touch points rather than fewer. But he was, it, and he and invited dialogue and said, what about you? Are our preferences compatible? What would be the best time of day to talk? What would be the best, um, are you more of an email person or a... and he was, it raised a couple of topics. And as I said, it was it was obviously someone who is self-aware and, and thoughtful, but it raised a set of interesting conversations. And it wasn't about power because he did it with his boss. He did it with his team and he did it with his peers. I'm new here. Here's the, it was brilliantly done. And it should actually be standard operating procedure because it forces you to have certain conversations. I mean, I, um, I used to have a boss... Um, who was a nightmare in the morning. It was like an ogre in the morning. And we I all have a daughter would...
0: like that, by the way. It's not the one in Thailand, it's the other one. Don't go to her early, never try and wake her up.
1: We would like elbow each other to to not go first into his office because he was just unfriendly and dismissive and angry. Later in the day, he was a delight. Why not be self-aware enough about this and not schedule one-to-ones with your young team members in the morning? Like I had a I had another, I had a team. The first time I introduced this as a manager, I said to my team, like, what can we do to make this better? And one of the one of the engineers, obviously, uh was like silence until eleven. No calls. No meetings. And if you want to have a chat, go to the coffee area so we can actually get in, get our head down. It was in the days where we were all in the office, right? Silence until 11. It was like, any objections? Everyone was like, no, if I want to have a meeting or a call, I can go to another room. The team doesn't do any team meetings. And we don't chat over, like, hey, Andrew, can I have a piece of gum? Until 11. Not hard.
0: No not hard at all and and this after repeating your story to my daughter she actually has already implemented that with one of her she's tried it out on one of her new stories amazing that she was um she was having a bit of difficulties with and and i had literally i got off the call with you and i went oh, i've just had this amazing thing unfortunately nobody's gonna see it but we're gonna repeat it um And I told her all about that. And she is struggling with, a with the chap that she had taken on board. And she went, actually, that, that makes me really question myself as well. So she said, I'm going to start with me with herself. And she said, I'm going to put that there. And she said, I'm actually now going to create a template and I'm, I'm going to get other people to do it as well. And, you know, she's, started by discovering you know there's there's the school run in the morning and he's based in africa and that's time zone wise when she's in mid flow in the middle of her day in asia so she's typing and expecting responses on slack and everything like this and she's not getting anywhere because he's doing the school run yeah so so that was like oh okay right so Right. If we are going to be working much more asynchronously, where's our overlap? Where where does suit us and things like this? And it stimulated those. And, and I just think after hearing about it from you, I think it's as important as a CV. It's the, you know, the CV is the door opener. And then your personal operating procedure, your personal operating manual, if not before hire, but certainly as part of onboarding, should become standard practice because i think we all need to learn really? new management styles i agree I we that. need to unlearn the old and, um, and this is maybe one of those things that we need to learn how to do just to be able to prompt that extra layer of empathy that we need
1: i i think you're, you're absolutely You're right in everything you said, and I think it deserves to be repeated. We need to develop new ways of management. We need to unlearn and find new ways. And I don't have the answers, but exploring new things are important. The second thing you said that I think is absolutely spot on is the care we put into putting a CV together that tells our story should be commensurate to the thought we put into reflecting as to our own strengths and weaknesses. So for instance, I am someone who's very good at thinking on, in the on the go, thinking through complicated things during a conversation. I often forget that's not a preference for everyone, even though I know it intellectually. If I'm in the flow of things, it isn't natural for me to say, "Do you want to think about this? Shall we come back tomorrow?" And and our own preferences are prevalent, whether we like it or not, to all of us. So that it forces you to reflect, and that's that's valuable. But you also said something there, and I don't even know if you intended to say it, but but I think it's important. Compatibility. You need to allow for the fact that you look at skill sets and you look at cultural fit, and I put it in quotation marks because you usually say one thing and mean another in, in those conversations, but actually ways of working compatibility is something that we haven't historically thought about. I remember, um, I was working for a company that was like insanely into Slack. Um, And I brought someone in who I'd worked with before and uh, because that's the way his brain works. He, he looked at the stats and he goes the average team member in this company sent 300 Slacks a day. A day. Because people were doing stream of consciousness and back channel chatting. And there was, special interests and pets and love island and 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 he's like this is noise i don't want this so actually as as we force ourselves through that reflection there's a personal compatibility the other thing is that working remotely and working in a in a distributed way is great but we need to have some hard conversations i i worked for a a big bank um many years ago that was based in the states and it had a um an operating unit in poland and I was in Poland with the team and I became aware of the fact that there were some critical moments in the day when the U.S. was opening. And they needed a set of numbers for that particular, from that particular division that coincided with the time where all the carers had to go get kids from schools. And we ended up having a very, very difficult conversation because of course that division did one, one thing and they didn't want to say, well, we can't do it because what the easiest thing for a big bank is to close down the division. Right? But equally, this is Poland, there's snow on the ground. Do you really want your six-year-old waiting at the school gate? Because every day you have to do these numbers. And it was an interesting set of exercises about, are we doing? the processing of this information in the right place because you can't have a situation what are you going to do never hire parents or will their kids forever wait so we we talk about the upsides of this remote and 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 unconnected thing but actually we need to think about the possibility of certain things not being as flexible certain things not being come back it was resolved in the end because what we ended up unraveling is when do you need this information buy and what do you need it for so can it be sent an hour earlier or can it be sent right at the beginning of their day so when does it need to be accurate for and it was solved but the reality was that there was a very real scenario where it couldn't be solved and that needs to be looked at as well because you can't perpetuate a situation where either the work is always late or you're always late for picking up your kids
0: now, there are, there are two things that I want to touch on um, that have also got to do with this new world, um, and one of those, I was mentioning my daughter with onboarding, is taking in people who are new to work, period, so interns or university or college leavers or people that have never worked in a corporate environment before how do they how do we solve for the fact that we we are used to historically picking up so much stuff by being in the same physical space as people do you think that the generation that is now entering the for workforce is so used to working with their mobile phone and chatting and WhatsApp and all the rest that they will learn, they will be able to learn enough. Or do you fear, because it's a fear that I have, that there'll be so much tacit knowledge that we all carry around in our heads that simply won't be passed on because there isn't a conscious effort? Um I my my wife had worked in the same role for twenty four years and before she got made redundant and um, she's now been rehired by another institution but she still has some interaction with the team that was left behind the people that weren't made redundant and they're making constant errors and the errors are because nobody asked her for the tacit knowledge that she was carrying around in her head. She had 24 years of history and legacy, and she knows why stuff was being done the way it was, or why stuff needed to be done the way it was, but none of this was written anywhere. Whereas when she was in the office, the people could just poke their head over the the, the petition between them and just go, hey, you know this strange thing has happened and she goes oh in 1987 this happened so therefore these people are in this way we lose that and and
1: i think um i mean there, there are a couple of observations but i fundamentally agree with you the 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 first is that by working in an office environment with all the frustrations and 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 um you got three things that i think are next impossible to replicate in a remote world the first one is the camaraderie your trench buddies uh, uh, if you're in a fully remote world you don't have trench buddies you don't you don't have that same affinity the second is you pick up the conventions of behavior you pick up the sort of non-verbal cues of how things are done around here and the third thing is You could get yourself noticed in a way that could help your career. People would take an interest. People would share information. uh, You would be encouraged to make lateral moves. When you're working on on your own thing, not in a context where you can pick up those cues, um, you also don't get noticed, right? You only work with whoever you work with. I found that um, I joined a, a, a new company during COVID. I was on the executive, which meant that I spoke at a lot of town halls. I would go into the office when things reopened and people said hello to me. And I had no idea who they were. Because I obviously I knew my teams, but these guys didn't work for me. They knew who I was. I didn't know who they were. Um, whereas in an office environment, I would. I think the the thing to, to say in this is um, everyone's on the same boat. So there's a levelling factor that it's not that everyone else is there and you're not actually, just as I said that, maybe that's not true because certain people are going back.
0: And are they unfairly advantaged? You know, that's a rhetorical question.
1: It's a difficult one, right? Because I actually think as a, as a, as a, as an employee, I don't want to go back. I love working. I'm not wearing shoes right now. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, and it it allows me just much better quality of life in certain ways. Um, and I like being occasionally in an office with people, but I like the flexibility. Um, so as an employee, I don't want to go back. As a manager, I see the advantages, frankly, I do. But what happens with the team members who are always in? Do they exchange information and develop relationships? that are not available to the people who don't, don't go in out of a preference. I don't know the answer to that. And I, I would suspect so though, Yeah. because face to face always comes with a stronger, stronger, pull stronger bond.
0: So the other type of people, cause you said something about being noticed the other type of people that I have a concern for in this environment, um, is one, Again, going back to an article of yours, a very old one that you pointed out me um, to me. The one about David, about the things that we cannot see. Yeah. You know that's a short story there, Lida. Tell us about uh, David.
1: He's he's here and he'll hear me now and he'll be like, "Why are you talking about me?" Um, the the piece um, of the things we cannot see. Um, was I written as a reflection on uh, David? For those who don't know, is my partner, who is um, much more quiet than me. <laughs> That's probably how it works. And uh, he's the sort of person who, will, you know, head down, do a job. He's not someone who will complain about things he he doesn't. Uh, he won't agitate. I will, incidentally, but he won't. Um, so he found himself in a situation a few years back where. He's a a graphic designer. A a team of several graphic designers was reduced to him. And the intent was very much that people would hire uh, to replace the talent that had left. Um, And in the meantime, he was a good sport. He worked longer hours. He covered everyone's work. He canceled our holiday. He worked through weekends. Nothing was dropped. And because nothing was dropped and... To give them the benefit of the doubt, we were not in, in the office. We're all at home. There was no problem to solve, and the months passed. And this is a a person who like we had to go through quite a lot for him to go. This is too much. This is like this is unfair. What are you doing? But and even then, he actually found another job. He didn't. He didn't set the building on fire like I would have done. Um. What happens to the people who are like that? There's a lot of people like that. A lot of people who will who are more introverted, who are not confrontational, who who don't have the, the the language or the personality to go. What are you doing? You've forgotten how much work I've got. You're you're eating into my mornings and my evenings and my weekends. The workload is too much. People who are, you know, when when you went. And when you're in the office, I always made a point of going around and making sure people were told to go home. And if there is someone who's always working late week after week or day after day, I'd go around and say, what, what's happening? Like, if you've been going to the gym in the middle of the day and that's a choice, fine. But is are you here for the third night running at 8 p.m. because the workload is too much? Do you need help with something in particular? But what happens when you don't see that person? And they don't make a point of sending emails and they don't make a point of sending slacks to show the world that they're working. They're just quietly getting on with the work and they might not send you the output of that work until such a moment where it wouldn't strike you as strange. It's not midnight, it's 10 in the morning. The fact that they worked through the night for it, you will never know what happens to those people. And I think part of the challenge, and again, the answer is not to go back to the office. The answer is to find different ways of managing um, and being mindful as a manager. If I have a a team of five, let's speak with the designers, the designer team, and four have left and the workload hasn't diminished and yet the deliverables aren't dropping, aren't I a terrible manager for having missed the fact that I failed to hire? And yet it is very easy to do because everyone is busy. Nothing is broken. Something else over there requires your attention. What happens to the introverts?
0: Of course, there is the um, the flip side of that that some cynical people would turn around and say you overhired in the first place, and that just goes to show that one person can do all of this work. You only need you're going to downsize your team and your budget, so there is that concern as well because I've had that where it had been a difficult to hire for position, and I was um, approached by my manager at the time, and said, well, you guys have been doing fine without this person. We're just going to cut that from the budget. And I went, we've been doing fine because the rest of the team have been working their butts off, and everybody needs a break, and everybody is desperate for this hire to come in. We're just not escalating that at the moment because... I'm assuring them that we're doing our best that we can. And then we did higher and then things could level back out again. But again, it goes back to management have to unlearn the old, it's a factory and everybody's just there as a cog in the wheel. And they have to know, they have to learn new styles. They have to learn new things. And we keep on saying this. So. What kind of a new things do we need to learn? What 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 skills do we need to be able to approach this new way of working? Or what's the you know the 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 message that I always give in the shows? We're looking for the magic, right? We've got monsters and myths. So this is a very big monster: the 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 context chasm, the lack of context that we have, and this is particularly within this remote environment um, or this new way of working. But what's the magic that we need? We've identified one thing for sure. I think, uh, <laughs> people operating procedures. Yes, Arthur's the owner's manual. Arthur's owner's manual. I think.
1: I'm gonna have to tag him on this piece. Genius. Has
0: to be. Yeah.
1: I, I think. I think we need to do. I think we need to do a few things, right? The owner's manual is a great idea, but I, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. That when we moved into the remote world, we just replicated what we were doing. But it's not like what we were doing worked that well. Nobody loved The Office. Do you remember the film, The Office? Do you remember the strap line? Work sucks. But it's not the work that sucks. It's the way we do it. So we have an opportunity not just to do remote better, but to actually do better than we were doing before. And some of the things we need to reflect on is that actually when you come into a work environment, there are three things you need to be doing at the same time. One is you need to do the job, whatever it is you need to get the newspaper ready, you need to keep the bank running, you need to produce the medicine, whatever it is you're doing so there there are tasks and functions and deliverables. The second piece is that there is there has to be a growth trajectory both for the business and for the individuals. We haven't worked out how to give people growth trajectories on um in the remote world so How do we do both of those things? And then the third is that we've historically talked about culture in terms of people's interactions. But I think the remote world is exposing the fact that culture is not so much about people's interactions as as the values the company exhibits in how it treats the people. Like fundamentally, your culture is about the, the body corporate, what it tolerates and what it doesn't you might end up in an asynchronous world, um, in a in a remote world, never making friends at work again. And to me that's sad because I've made some amazing friends at work over the years. But to someone who's never worked in um in an office, maybe they don't they don't care about that. So when we talk about culture. It needs to stop being about the forced jollity and the fact that people go to the pub once a month. I mean, I I work with this company and they all go into the office and go to the pub once a month. Great, but that's not what your culture is. I mean, it might it might be it might be, but it's not what you're solving for. So, how do you create a mechanism whereby the values of your business, if you have them, shine through in every interaction? That's what matters. Now, maybe part of how you do that is you you spend the cash to get people together for offsites or for socials so that they get that face-to-face interaction. But actually that doesn't guarantee anything. So focus on the hard question, which is about the values in the interaction between the body corporate and, and the people, not how well they hang out in the socials. And the other piece is we need to double down on asynchronous. Remote work can't be about 8 million meetings. And if we are working asynchronously, why do I have contracted work hours still in contracts? Shouldn't it be more about the output? What if I'm uh, an engineer who likes to code through the night? Like back to David, he's a designer. He works with the team. He has calls with the clients. He has calls with the creative team. But when it's head down producing concepts, why does he have to be um, in front of his desk at eight? Why? So getting more comfortable with the asynchronous uh, work and whatever that means. And then the last piece is trade-offs. Like if we are going to avail ourselves of a global asynchronous disconnected workforce, we have to be okay with the fact that we're not going to get an email back in the same hour that we sent it because they might be asleep. We might have to accept the fact that we might never meet. We might never meet. Because one is in Australia and one is in Bogota. But we also need to accept that if, for whatever reason, we exert our preferences and say, actually, we will be in the office, we will be co located, we will lose some talent who don't want to come back. And it has to be okay that there are trade offs. Because when we went into lockdown, there was no choice. So we didn't discuss trade offs, we did the best we could do. Everyone was in the same boat. Now we're not. Now choices can be made, but each choice comes with certain folks going, that's not for me.
0: I think that's a great way to wrap this up because the the key lesson there, the key thing that I was taking away the whole time while you were talking was stop trying to replicate what we had and figure out how to make what we've got now better than what we had in the first place, because there are untapped advantages to this that I think people still haven't really got their heads around. I don't have the answers to everything, um, and but I love asking the questions of people like you who make me think a lot broader and going, yeah. And then we uncover a couple of bits of nuggets of magic as well leader
1: i will say one thing before we close yes. off because i think it is important we're putting the onus to make this work on the employees a lot you've called it and i agree that as managers we need to tr- to learn new things but as companies we invest like part of how we solve this is we spend some money on tools that go beyond zoom zoom is great but if you want to work asynchronously you need a whole suite of tools that go beyond sending documents back and forth, that investment in in that genuine uh, infrastructure for asynchronous, non-co-located work, you need to spend some money. And if you want people to play nice and be buddies, and and you need to spend the money to bring them together. Now, you also need the creativity to think of what it is they will do when you bring them together. You can't say, well, come and do your calls from the office and we've solved the problem. but to solve this new shape, we need to spend some time and energy and thought and money.
0: Thank you. And I will wrap it up there and look forward to our next interaction because it always brings super interesting uh, thought, lines of thought, and probably
1: Thank you for that. Thanks for coming on the show. See you soon, my friend.